Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. You know, we've been building a structure here doing what we call entitled basic training, kind of getting back to the basics, equipping you for life, and we're wanting to lay down a foundation of truth. And, you know, we started out, was pretty heavy. First week was about the fall, how Adam and Eve and their decision affected all of us. And then we saw how it affected all of us by the nature of fallen man. The fact was that man was going to hell, and that was the next week, the reality of hell. And then last week, we looked at the substitute. Because the reality was that there was nothing we could do about it. You know, our tendency, especially for men here, is that, and for you ladies as well, is when you get yourself into a fix, you try to figure out real quick how to get out of it. And you put all of your energy and all of your effort to get out of the mess. Whatever you need to do to get out of the mess you're in. Well, my friends, that mess of going to hell, there was nothing we could do. No amount of effort, no amount of anything to get out of it. Jesus stepped into our place. We talked about that last week, the substitute. So we're going to progress a little bit further, building on what we know. And we're going to talk about what he did for us, and that is the gift of salvation. A wonderful gift. It's, in fact, it's a true gift. What do you mean by a true gift, George? A true gift is given with no strings attached. You understand what I mean by that? And dad, you know what I'm talking about. You get a gift, like dad's got to get a gift, so it's a cologne or that you never wear, or you know, or a tie that you'll never wear, you know, and things like that. And and usually there's a string attached, like here's a gift for you, dad. What'd you get for me? You know. That's not a true gift. A true gift is given with no strings attached, not expecting anything in return. And that's what the gift of salvation is. And so we're going to talk about it today. From this passage, if you remember in the first three verses, that's where we saw the nature of fallen man. We're going to go now to verses 4 through 9 and look at the gift of salvation. So look with me, verses 4 through 9. And it begins with a wonderful word. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Here's what we're going to do today. First of all, we're going to look at the basis of salvation. Why is there salvation? And really what we're going to talk about in this section is God's disposition towards us. You say, what do you mean by disposition? Well, you know... Each of us, when we get with somebody, if we like them, we have a good disposition towards them. It really is reflected in how we act towards them. If we don't like them, we don't have a good disposition towards them, do we? We ain't got time for them. 
So we're really going to talk about the basis of salvation and God's disposition towards us. Then we're going to see what salvation accomplishes. What does salvation accomplish in our lives? And then we're going to see what the very nature of salvation is. So let's look at this together. First of all, verse 4 and 5, the basis of salvation. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Here's the first thing I want you to see. God's mercy and love overflows towards us. God's mercy and love overflows towards us. Here's what I want you to see. In that verse there, verse, verse 4, it says that he is rich in mercy. Now, here's what the word of meaning of rich means. It means to abound or overflow. It means that God is so filled with mercy and love, it just pours out of him. That's his disposition. So when you talk about God and how he is towards you and I, it's, it's an overflow of love and mercy. Now let's just stop for a moment because some of us got to think about that for a moment. Because some of you here today, and in a room this size, there is somebody here who's thinking this. Some of you here today have this concept, and it's a wrong concept of God, that he's out to get you because you didn't do something right. Or you didn't give enough. Or you didn't read your Bible enough. And so he's ready to zap you. He's at the cosmic control panel up there. He's looking down and says, oh, there they are. I'm going to have fun today. And that's your concept of God. That God is out to get you. Because you've done wrong. Now, some of you are laughing. And yeah, because you realize that's ridiculous. But I'm going to be honest with you. There are some who are not laughing. Because that's a very real concept in their mind. That God would look at them as if they need to be zapped. But here's what I want you to see. That is a lie. That is something to totally defeat you. That is a lie. That's something that's totally to get you thrown off course and from the reality of who God is. And here's what the Bible says. Look with me at verse 4. Here's what it says. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved, what's that last word, folks? Us. Man, what is that saying? Here's what it's saying. Listen to me. When I want to know what God thinks about me, here's what I know. He loves me with a love that is overflowing. Isn't that wonderful? You don't ever have to doubt the reality of whether or not God loves you. He loves you so much, it just flows out of Him. He can't do enough for you. Now you say, well, I'm struggling. That's not the doing enough for you that I'm talking about. His love is rich in what? Grace, mercy, strength, presence. That's God. He loves us. Even when you mess up. So what do you mean even when I mess up? Think about this, David, all the way over to Psalm. Psalm 37 says this. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. So think about what David's saying there. God knows what your life is going to be, and he delights in your life. Isn't that wonderful? Little old you, wherever you are. Nobody else knows where you are. You wonder, does anybody even know I'm here? He knows you're there, and here's what he says. He delights in them. He enjoys watching you. And here's what it says. Though 
he yet stumble. Even though you and I stumble. Here's what David says. We will not be utterly cast down. He's not done with us. Why? Because the Lord upholds us with his hand. Isn't that love? He already knows you're going to mess up. Let me ask you a question. How many of you messed up today? I did. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it wonderful to know that he didn't just say, okay, you messed up today, I'm writing you off for the rest of the day. That's not God, because his love overflows. That's his disposition to us. Isn't that wonderful? That's the basis for salvation. Now, here's one other thing I want you to see. Look with me in verse 5. Look at what verse 5 says. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. Here's what I want to see. He acted in spite of our condition. Here's what he's saying. This love that so overflows him, that so is abounding, this love that is this mercy that just comes out of him towards us because of the great love that he has for us, this love that he has for us, he is showing it to us even in spite of us. Because let's be, let's be honest, let's admit some things. I mean, we're, you know, we're not into perfect people here because we're not perfect. You understand what I'm saying? So when you're not perfect, I can almost guarantee you that there are days that you go by where you don't even think about God. Let's just be honest. If you're breathing and you blood flowing through you, I can almost guarantee you it's happened. That's not right, but here's the thing. You go without thinking about him because you're in your own little world. You're focused. Maybe you've got a crisis going on and, and you're just thinking about what you got to do. Or maybe everything's going great so you don't think about him when everything's going great. But the reality is, is that even in spite of our condition, where we're acknowledging him, what does it say? He acted. He acted. And in the greatest sense, this passage is saying, even in spite of the fact that we wanted nothing to do with God, we were dead relationally with him, he acted to reach out to us. Isn't that wonderful? Now, you tell me that that's a God who's out to get you. In a sense, he is. But the kind of out to get you is a loving out to get you. Not an out to get you to destroy you. Isn't that wonderful? See, that's the basis of salvation and what we see here. Now, Paul then goes on in this passage and he tells us now, what does this salvation accomplish? What does it accomplish? So look with me, again, verse 5, look at what he says. Made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Look at verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing I want you to see. The first thing that salvation accomplishes is that, here's what he does. We have been given a new life. He gives you a new life. Now, I've got to unpack this one for you. I've got to explain this one for you because he's basically saying that this new life, he's going to divide it into three things. He says we've been made alive. Look with me, verse 5, last part of verse 5. We've been made alive. Then, number two, we've been raised up. And then, number three, we have been seated. Now, those all reflect three different things about the new life we have. Let me explain them to you one by one. Number one, to be made alive means that I now enter into a relationship with God. Because remember, he said I was dead to God before. Remember, I was dead to God because of my trespasses. Verse 1 tells us that. I was relationally dead to God. Remember what we talked about a few weeks ago. We were relationally dead to him. We didn't want to have anything to do with him. He didn't want to have anything to do with us. But now, he says, because of salvation, because of what Jesus has done, because of his great love for us, he's now made me alive. So the first thing you can say about this new life that you have is that you now have a new relationship with God. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the first thing. You have a new relationship with God. The next thing I want you to see there is notice what he says, and raised us up together. Here's what he's saying. He not only gave me a new relationship with God, he also gave me a new position. What do you mean by position, George? Well, the raising up is the same thing as the resurrection. Before I was lost and going to hell, my position was a condemned criminal. Now, my position is, is I am resurrected. I'm a new creature in Jesus. Remember when we, we baptize, we say this from Paul. Buried in the likeness of his death, what? Raised to walk in newness of life. I have been now given a new position to live a new life in Jesus. Now, there's a third thing here, and you're saying, seated? What does that mean? This says, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm here. I'm not there yet. What does that mean, George? Here's what it means. You've not only been given a new relationship, you've not only been given a new position, you've been given a new citizenship. You understand what I'm saying? Here's the mistake that some Christians make. The mistake that some Christians make is that they think in terms of heaven as being later on and their citizenship in heaven being later on when they die. My friends, the kingdom of God is not later, it's now. And you are a part of the kingdom of God right now. And you have a position with him right now. So, in fact, here's what Peter will do. Peter will describe you later, and we'll talk about this next week when we talk about our standing. We're going to go into a little bit further next week. Peter will describe to you in his epistles and say that you are a royal priesthood. What does that mean? You're royalty. You're majesties. Seriously, you're laughing. Oh, yeah, come on. You are royalty. You understand that? You may not have the jewels Queen Elizabeth has, but it really doesn't matter. What you have is yet to be gained. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are anticipating the royalty that you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's go on. So we've been given a new life. Now here's what he says. Here's what else salvation accomplishes for us. Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here's what he said. God wants to show kindness towards us. God wants to show kindness towards us. It only makes sense, doesn't it? Think about what Paul was saying earlier in verse 4, that he was rich in mercy and love towards us, that he was overflowing and abounding with love towards us. So here you have God, he's overflowing with love, he's overflowing with mercy, when you have somebody who's overflowing with love and mercy, guess what he wants to do? He wants to show it, doesn't he? And here's what he's doing. God wants to show mercy and grace and kindness to you in your life. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we as Americans tend to think in dollar signs whenever we think about God giving. Boy, don't we rob ourselves. Because when we're thinking about dollar signs, we miss the other kinds of kindnesses and love that God gives us. And the fact of the matter is, is he's so overflowing with love and mercy in his life, he wants to show love and mercy to you in the midst of everything that's going on in your life. You say, what are you talking about here? I can tell you right now, I can think of times when God showed in his overflowing love and grace and mercy to me, that there were times when I was in the midst of crisis, I didn't understand what was going on, and I, I just was confused that God in his presence would come into my life with a peace that would blow me away. 
And I can think about those times right now. I couldn't understand it. I didn't know, I didn't know how things were going to turn out. But I knew I had a God who was there. I could sense His presence in the life giving me a peace. Say, is that biblical? Think about it. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto, known unto God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. See, what's he doing there in that verse? He's saying, I'll show you mercy. Remember Paul, verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 12? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, and I asked the Lord three times to take it from me. But here's what he said. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. We're missing it, folks, when all we think about is dollar signs. God shows mercy in many other ways, and we're missing it. And that's what salvation accomplishes. Isn't it wonderful? He gives us a new life, and we have a Heavenly Father who wants to show us kindness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Now, here's what I want you to see. We're going to see now what the very nature of salvation is because you and I have to grasp this point. Because why? Well, why do we got to grasp it? Jordan, I think I understand it. Well, here's what, here's what statistics are showing. And it's been this way for the last 20 years. That a majority in our churches think that there's more than one way to get to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? That the, a majority in our churches still think it's because of who they are and what they've done and what kind of good stuff they do and what kind of bad stuff they don't do that's going to get them to heaven. So they have no understanding of salvation whatsoever. So we've got to talk about what salvation is here. Look at me. We see what it's accomplished. We see what his disposition is. So let's look at the nature of salvation. Look with me at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here's several things. Number one, here's the issue. It's because of God's grace Now, let me explain what grace is here, because first of all, I'm going to give you the theological definition, and then I'm going to give you the practical George everyday definition that you'll understand. The theological definition is unmerited favor. So it's because of God's unmerited favor I have salvation. Now, you're saying, what does that mean? That's why I'm going to give you George's definition. Here's what grace is. Getting what you don't deserve. It's because of His giving to you what you don't deserve that you and I are saved. Bottom line. It has nothing to do with us. In fact, here's the next point. It is obtained through faith. Now, I need to explain this one a little bit. I thought about this this week. How do I explain faith to people? Because in our country, we equate belief with faith. Faith is more than just simple belief. Because here's the thing. You know, there have been times in my family, in our little family unit, Lori and I's little family unit, when we've, we've had a child who maybe has gotten sick, and I can think of two, chil- two different children, and one that had to have surgery and one that had to have examinations for something that happened. And, and I can go to the doctor and believe that he's got the skills necessary to take care of the problem. And I can sit there in his office and, and, and know with my head that he's got the skills, but in my heart I don't have the faith that he can do it. Have you been there? See, there's a difference between just believing and having faith. You can know with your head and not know with your heart. And see, faith goes a little bit further. See, salvation is not by me believing a set of facts. Salvation is me being committed to the facts with my heart. Faith. You understand what I'm saying? 
That's how I obtain salvation. It's not just that I believe Jesus died for me. I mean, even the demons believe what James says. The reality is, is that I commit myself that this is the way. It's not because of me, it's because of you, Jesus, and I commit myself to that. That's the reality of what he's saying here. It's not your belief. My friends, there's a lot of people in Kerbinsville who say they believe. They're not saved. Faith is not a belief. Faith comes from the heart. Believing is an aspect of it. But it's a commitment to, a trust in Jesus. That's the reality. So it's obtained through faith. Now, here's the next thing. Here's what he says. It's not based on ourselves. Say on to given, George, why do you even need to explain that one? Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Listen to me. It happens, especially happens in Christian homes. You can have kids who are raised in Christian homes and they think they're okay because they got raised in that Christian home. You've got kids who, who think they're okay because grandma said they were okay. See, it's not because of you. It's not because of where you were raised. It's not because of what you did or didn't do. It's not because of what you know and don't know. It has nothing to do with you. Do you understand? In fact, let's go back to what I said earlier. Is there anything that you could have done to get you out of going to hell? Anybody? No. So if you can't get yourself out of hell, how in the world can you gain salvation? You can't. You can't do anything for it. This is the nature of salvation. It's because of His mercy and His grace, what we don't deserve. It's through faith, more than just believing. It's a commitment to, a trust in. And it has nothing to do with us. Isn't that wonderful? That's the nature of salvation. That's why I told you earlier it's a true gift. It's a true gift. Now, there's one other point I want you to see. Here's the point. In fact, that's what I said. It's purely a gift. It's purely a gift. In fact, isn't that what he says here? Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's a pure gift. You don't have to wonder if God's got a string attached there. He doesn't. It's purely his love and his mercy. It's a pure gift. Now, here's the thing, though. We get so... Our culture, you know, we get so molded in the mind, the thinking of our day that, man... Well, why are you giving me that? What do you want back? Ever told somebody that? You thought it. Spouses. What do you mean you cleaned up that room? Wonder what they want. Isn't that what we do? Oh, you eliminated half the honeydew list. Took you two years. Why all of a sudden now? Isn't that true? Why? Because we have in our mind a thinking that there are no gifts. There's always a reason for them. My friends, here's what he's saying. It is a gift of God. It's pure. Then there's one other thing he tells us. We see it in verse 9. Look at what he says about this issue of salvation. And not of works, lest anyone should boast. We cannot take credit for it. You can't take credit for it. It's not because of you. So if it's not because of you, you can't go there and say things something like this. Well, I grew up on the right side of the railroad tracks. I went through the right church. I, I did the right things. I didn't go to that movie, or I didn't go over here to that restaurant, and I didn't, you know, and I banked at this certain bank, not that bank, and you know, and I went to this school, or I didn't go, and I, and, and, and we can start justifying in our minds all the reasons why we're okay with God, but my friends, it doesn't have anything to do with us because 
you can't take credit for it. You can't take credit for it. It's not because you got raised in a Christian home. not because you didn't get raised in a Christian home. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with who? Who's it got to do with, folks? Jesus. See, that's the nature of salvation. Let's go back through it. Just for, right. So, it's because of God's grace. It's obtained through faith. It's not based on ourselves. It's a pure gift. And here's the other point. We can't take credit. That's reality. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, think about it. You and I were headed to hell. We deserved it. We deserved it. But our substitute came. He died in our place. He gave us a new life. God wants to show mercy and kindness to us. And here's the thing. It's because I put my faith in what he did for me. It's not because of myself. I put my faith in his mercy and his grace. I can't take the credit. The only the credit belongs to who? Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this message up with two things. Number one, here's the question. What is your destiny? What's your destiny? You say, what do you mean, what's my destiny? Are you going to hell or not? That's the question. Are you going to hell or not? Because here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. I can't make it any sweeter. Can't make, I can't perfume it so that you can accept it. Because you can't. You've got to realize it. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. Period. What's your destiny? And see, so here's the thing. Oh, well, you, that's so judgmental of you, George. You just, I can't stand to listen to you talk that way. I'm sorry. I've got to tell you the truth. I mean, when you go to the doctor and you go in there and he says you've got a lump or you've got a mass, you want him to tell you it's cancer, don't you? And you want to tell him what your chances are and what you need to do. It's the same thing. I've got to tell you the reality. The reality is, is we're going to hell unless we have Jesus. And here's how you do it. You don't go and do stuff. You accept the gift that's given. It's free. Free. Because he died for you. What is your destiny? See, you've got to think about that one. Here's the other thing, finally. Commit yourself to Christ. Don't just believe in him. Because you can believe. Like I told you, you can believe that doctor's got the skills, whether or not you trust him. You know, when my when my cars when my truck acts up or my car acts up, I know there's a lot of people that I believe got the skills in the area, but I'm only going to take it to the one I what trust. You know, see what I'm saying? That's faith. The one I have faith in, not the one I believe. You understand? I can believe he can do anything, but I'm going to take it to one I trust to have faith in. Take care of it. See, this is the difference between just belief and faith. Faith goes one step farther. It's a commitment. So my question is, if your destiny is not what it should be, you need to make that commitment to Jesus. You know what? All you need to do is just say to him, Jesus, I know where I'm going. I don't want to go there died for me. I accept what you did for me. I commit my life to you. I believe you died for me. I trust that you died for me. I accept your salvation in my life. That's all you got to do. And you might be here and you say, well, I've done that. Well, you still need to commit yourself to the one who 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.